Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, everybody. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. Wow. Every time, years. every time Ryan is missing, I think that I'm supposed to say I'm Ryan and then I'm <laughs> Kaylin, let's try that again. Just, no. just let's get a real roll call. Yeah, I want a real roll call. Oh, okay. Got it. I, I'm Kaylin. I'm Ryan. <laughs> I'm Clark. <laughs> I'm Brent, who are you? Brent Wingate. <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm nobody. <laughs> Uh, you're like Nick Fury, an agent of nothing. <laughs> All right, let's get yeah. started. So um, we're starting a, uh, a new thing here. It's called Hikipedia. Uh, it's a deep dive into a beloved creator's early works. And of course, uh, the beloved creator in question is Jonathan Hickman. And with his era of the X-Men coming to a close in the next few months, Homo Superior is taking a time machine back a few years to review, analyze, and dissect some of his previous Marvel work. First stop, 2009. It's Barack Obama's first year as president. Lady Gaga's poker face is topping the charts. And it would be a few years before any of us knew that The Hangover would try the same tired jokes over and over again. But more importantly, a young Jonathan Hickman, fresh off the success of his image series, The Nightly News, launched his first Marvel series, Secret Warriors. Next week, uh, don't worry, next week we'll be back with our regularly scheduled episode. But for this week, uh, we're going to take this deep dive into the Secret Warriors. So, Brent, uh, do you want to explain to us who the Secret Warriors are? What were you doing do. in 2009, Brent? <laughs> I guess well, I was a sophomore in uh, uh, college. So, I don't know. Nothing important. Uh, of- I do want to point out that we're calling this, you know, Hikipedia, And we might explore other artists in the future. <laughs> But we, we have to come up with a clever pun name for them as well. Uh, so if people have artists and suggestions for puns, that's basically how we're going to make the rest of these shows. Uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about who the Secret Warriors are. Uh, the Secret Warriors are a ragtag group of younger, super-powered individuals. Uh, they were first assembled by Nick Fury during the Scrolls' secret invasion of Earth. But he revealed his true intentions for the team, um, which was Hydra... You know, it's a bigger and far more reaching that he realized, and it had even uh, taken over Shield while he was running it. Uh, the scroll attack, uh, you know, kind of dismantled Shield and hit Hydra hard, giving Fury an opportunity to prepare for a new war against them while they reorganized. So, over 28 issues, the series portrays a cold war between Fury, his secret warriors, Hydra, and Leviathan which is this Russian-based organization with a lame name. Uh, And it culminates with Baron Strucker, the head of Hydra, realizing that Fury was playing him all along and that S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, is reinstated with one of the Secret Warriors, Daisy Johnson, as its head. Uh, That's that's about it. Kalen, I think you've got some questions. Yeah, so um, how did the series work for you? Uh, I know many of us read it for the first time. Some of us reread it recently. Uh, Clark, I'll go to you first. This is go number two for me. I didn't like it. I liked it back then when it wasn't about the secret warriors because I just think they're lame characters that I don't want to ever see again. This time it didn't work for me on almost all fronts. Leviathan (laughs) and the Russian storyline is not that it's a throwaway, but it seems like it just fills up way too much space and I don't much care for it. Everything I liked about this series is built up better when the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic comes out. Mm. Pikmin's shield comic 
explains so much more about i'm not spoiling my, anything but like you know that the wheel they're talking about and all the characters and we find out who some of the characters are that aren't explained fully in here um i mean i don't know why it, i mean it was just much more disappointing than i planned for it to be adam yeah, uh, this first-time reader, uh, long-time lover of Jonathan Hickman since we started this podcast, uh, but I, I did enjoy it. I think it definitely shows its age. I mean, it was, it was certainly, what, that's 12 years ago? Did I do the math right? 11, 12 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you can definitely, which is great, you get to see in our uh, uh, creators, like, maturity and where they are today. Um, there was bits of, I think the part that worked the most for me was definitely hydra itself all of the mm -hmm. different uh hydra people were very cool very interesting strucker i thought was played really well like i think they were written the most interestingly leviathan like clark said a bit of a dud kind of a throwaway like big bad behind the scenes and then i you know nick and Dave. i just didn't get a full sense of some of the secret warriors themselves but you know it, they're they're cute i liked them okay. <laughs> As far as the team goes, they are kind of lame. Um, it's really hard to care about anything that happens to them uh, because they feel like they are generic superhero actors uh, in, in a bland movie. Um, I think that you can see a lot of the, you know, geopolitic, geopolitics that um, Hickman likes to explore kind of in their formative stages. I think it really falls apart when you start getting to the... <laughs> when you prod even gently any of the ideas about, you know, the wheels within wheels, the here are the games that people are playing. And it's like, no, you weren't running my organization. I was running your organization. And you're like, okay, how, I, I understand how that can be like a really brilliant chess move. But when you've seen so many subversions of people's plans, you know, a la heist style, it starts to feel really stupid, uh, you know, looking back on it. it it real quickly, it's literally the at Mad TV sketch, which I'll find the link for and we'll post on our Twitter account. It's the Mad TV sketch of Alias. So if you've ever seen the show Alias, yes. like the parody yes, of it sketch. on Mad TV is exactly right, where it's like, I'm not a double agent, I'm a triple agent. Yeah, but I'm also your father and a double agent, but I gotta go get the Rambaldi clock. Like it's just, there was a lot of that going yeah. on. We were just like, who the fuck is doing what? This is dumb. <laughs> um. I will say I didn't really care for many of this, this, the actual Secret Warriors either, except for Phobos. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. He uh, and he was introduced in the Ares miniseries, which had come out a few years earlier, and uh, I liked uh, I liked him as a character, but I liked his interaction whenever they went up against like Norman Osborn's um, uh, 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 Dark Avengers, and Ares was part of that as the Thor stand-in. Um, like I thought that was really cool. I think the series was probably best besides Hydra was the uh, um, like all the stuff with like Norman Osborn and Hammer. Yep. Like I really liked that part of Marvel and I didn't think I would when I was first reading it at the time. But like on the heels of Secret Invasion, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. being dismantled, uh, Norman Osborn coming in, setting up Hammer like having his own crazy team of Avengers and like him and just uh, him and Nick Fury just going back and forth. Uh, I thought was absolutely fantastic. I, that still held up to me in my reread. I think Clark. it's because at that point in time, I hated Norman Osborn, Nor Norman Osborn so much that he's a good villain that I, I could despise. Um, 
the one thing I do want to talk about is that uh, Gorgon's amazing in this, and obviously mm-hmm. Hickman still likes to use Gorgon. That's why he was important. He was in, um, just, what the fuck was it just called? So what, X of Ten Swords. Swords. He was so important. He was fucking rocks. That's what Hickman yeah. was using. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that that you know Phobos had his weapon or the weapon that right. they fought over yeah. for ages, and now is totally his. Um. Yeah, Brent. I. <laughs> This is completely, un- this is only related to Gorgon, but because he turns people into stone, now it makes a lot more sense in my mind why he would want to fuck a rock, which I never <laughs> thought about before. <laughs> oh yeah. God, what an observation. Hickman's been playing us the whole time. Yeah, it's a long game. <laughs> um, right. I will, I was just going to say the one thing I, I'll, as a person who, I would say just generally liked on an ongoing basis, Agents of Seals. I certainly didn't love the show. It was fun to see Daisy and Yo-Yo. I was weirded out that Yo-Yo was a 15-year-old girl and that Daisy was only 19. Uh, but it was cool to see their like powers in real life. And obviously they were very different than their on-screen interpretations, but uh, it was just like a fun thing. Although, you know, I appreciated the relationship that Daisy and Nick Fury had. It did seem a little like, like, I mean, I know Nick Fury is a vestige of like the 50s plus, but I mean, it was just sort of the standard, like, I can't tell you unless you know the answer already. Gotta go. This plan's happening. Get to the ship. And like 15 minutes, like all of his like gruff and tumble, like leader stuff that like, it's just a bad version of the MCU Nick Fury. I feel like it didn't feel as authentic as I wanted it to, I guess, uh, Clark. As opposed to most of his other long form series, this felt like he was removing he was killed off a ton of characters like he's removing things versus versus in fantastic four when he's like adding new characters adding new ideas instead of just destroying them and removing them and we never were able to use them again it very frustrated frustrated me a lot this time around to see them kill off the howling commandos kill off so many of these characters that we don't really know much about um just just dismantling so much just felt uh, it was disappointing i feel like uh to that to that clark like this was again his first Marvel work, and I think you know he wasn't Jonathan Hickman then. He was just you know a guy that was like pretty talented, and so much of it was editorially driven. Mm. Uh, so much so that like the when the series began, it was Brian Michael Bendis plotting, yeah. and Hickman scripting, and then Bendis left. But Bendis at the time, I mean, throughout all twenty eight issues, was one of the main architects of Marvel. Like he was writing the Avengers series, he wrote Secret Invasion which was the, um, uh, you know, the, the big event that launched this series. Um, he did Siege, which was in the middle of this series. So, you know, like a lot of it had to be kind of based around what Bendis wanted and what like Marvel editorial wanted. Um, yeah, I was gonna say surprisingly for how many issues it was, I did feel like it moved at a clip that was both invigorating, but also like, you didn't really get to hold, I mean, I'm sure obviously probably reading, these came out week to week, month to month. What month was like, month. You know, month to month? Like, obviously this would build up over time, but I did feel like there's a lot of jumps in the the plotting, which is totally fine when you have these like giant potential, like, you know, spy wars going on. But I did feel like there was a lot of stuff where it was sort of like, all right, that's a year later. It's a month later now. We got this full force. Let's go do this mission, which I was like, oh, I wanted a little bit more continued time with the growth of the Secret Warriors as a team versus the overall narrative of just all of these spy people chasing after each other. I think that worked better for me 
when it was in single comic form because oh yeah it's been a month so it's been a month you guys mm. too it seems weird but it doesn't seem weird at all Brent when you're reading it it's kind of funny <clears throat> when you're reading it that it's like first page six months ago then it's like one week from now then three <laughs> months ago then it's two weeks and I'm like wait what time what time okay we're back at this dinner all right we're, we're that was the worst. That was important dinner the worst. that has ever existed. Uh, and it, that those time jumps did get a little bit jarring when you're reading them, you know, back to back or even within a particular issue. Kaylin? Um, We kind of take it for granted now because we've seen it um, in the MCU and uh, in various other, you know, uh, mediums and comics and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. But like when the first time I read the reveal that shield had been part of hydra all along uh that blew my mind mm -hmm. like that like it's it's hard to like put yourself back in 2009 now to 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 kind of see that because uh for those of you who or, who just read it over the last few months um like that was a big fucking deal like marvel had never done anything like that before it was a retcon that like strangely worked but to brent's point when it becomes, it's like wheels within wheels, and then you're like, okay, fuck. It's like this. This is some. It's like it's the fucking heist episode from Rick and Morty season four. <laughs> you know, then you're like, okay, why do I care anymore, Brent? Well, for me, this is like, it's maybe the benefit and the flaw of like movies today. But you know, seeing this in uh, Winter Soldier, that it they narrowed down so many of the plot points to focus on the. Hydra taking over shield that it feels like that actually had a lot more room to breathe and that they mm -hmm. could focus on that as a topic. Whereas in this, it kind of felt like it needed to keep moving and have so many other plot points that, you know, didn't really feel as satisfying if you're looking at it in hindsight, you know, you, there, you would have to have extra turns and twists if you were to, you know, make it post one of these movies. Clark. I was just going to ask, what would you do, like, if you wrote it, like, would you have these tween turds in it? Like, what, does that add <laughs> to the story at all? Or is that something that Ben just said, we're going to add, we're going to have six little shit bags, and you're going to have to take care of them while you're doing important stuff? It feels very much like our criticism of Excalibur, with Teeny Howard saying, you know, getting these six to seven characters and then doing fuck all with Gambit, Jubilee, uh, even Rogue, and then just focusing in on Betsy Braddock and Apocalypse, you know, for the first 12 or so issues and Richter. Uh, it's clear, like, she's more interested in writing about the Braddocks and Saturnine and Otherworld. And then when the other characters come in, it's just, like, clearly, like, the lack of interest is shown. And, like, Hickman, I think, wasn't really interested in, writing about these kids yeah. like because when they're on it's just like god they're fucking annoying like i don't i literally don't care but i will say um uh, besides phobos i forgot that this is the first ep uh, appearance of manifold as mm -hmm. well yeah i was so, gonna ask that yeah quite important. yeah so that that's that is actually very important uh and he is a cool character and he becomes a cooler character who whose favorite character is um sebastian druid who has the special episode where garrett just says you fat <laughs> And then the rest of the episode <laughs> is just him making him work out. That tired. Oh my that? god! That what fat, was that? That fat phobia issue really like hit me hard. I was <laughs> the, like, "What?" The size in which they write "fat" was like fifteen times bigger than every other word in that page. 
Oh, um, 2009. Oof. I know. I was like, I've never seen it. I mean, what, like, Jesus. yeah, Shallow Hal had just come out, right? A couple of years before. Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It was just like such a night. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I was very good. I was like, yeah. Brent. Yeah, I mean, it's your, like, encouraging physical fitness is fine. But the way that they set it up was, if you're not superhero fit, you couldn't possibly <laughs> be in control of your life. Yes. And so you're a mess. And it's like, have you're a liability. Seen, like, have you seen those the, the images that they've done of like, here are top Olympic athletes, and they show just the diversity and body shape for people who are at the peak of their like physical strength and you know effort. And you're like, well, they don't all look like the Calvin Klein model style superhero that we see all the time. Well, and, and it's we're like giggling, but I just realized I'm like, that's what fucking Endgame was all about, too. They're like, Thor, you can't be Thor until you lightning bolt yourself back into shape at the end of the movie. Like there was no they're like, wow, what a fat loser. And that was like basically all their pitch was for him. Um, so I'm like, it's still coming back around, but it definitely like I think they were just so it was like he was totally fine. They're like, you're a liability because you're fat. Like it was just there was no explanation of other than he was out of shape that like suddenly he learned how to use all of his abilities. I wish they would have like trained him, but not obviously focused so much to your point, obviously health is important, but this does not help. It's like, wait, now I'm ripped. Now I really can mm-hmm. do things. And it's like, what the fuck? They, they could have like, just not had that issue at all. Just had, all you do is show up after like having a long, great conversation with the fucking robot dude. I mean, just not have him be there. Just oh, keep him yeah. on the team and be like, <laughs> they, well, they whatever. They could have missiles on their uh, airplane to shoot down all the other jets that are following them. Right. Yeah, I don't give a shit. No, it's also very much like Battlestar Galactica when Adama tells his son, get your fat ass off my bridge. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is like they didn't have to even focus in on his weight or they didn't. Even, they could have just drawn him, you know, slender before. Like he's based on like the lamest Avenger ever, mm-hmm. Dr. Druid. Uh, and they could have like played into the fact that like, you're you're like i can't remember if he was related to dr druid or what uh but like it could have been like his like the way he uses magic ends up becoming a liability because magic is already chaotic to begin with Mm -hmm. like the fact that they focus in on the fat stuff was really 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 problematic uh going back to manifold i definitely enjoyed uh i thought they did a good job of introducing his character, giving him some voice, making him pretty likable. Like obviously he's still a new, uh, and I, I feel like they haven't even done that much within, you know, the stuff we've been reading more recently with sword, but I, uh, did really enjoy it. And I think you're exactly right. Kaylin, in the sense that it was like, you got dumped on with a few people, like even the fact that there was the two other teams, gray and white, and they also had kids and all those kids got fucking murdered. Like very like I was like the whole plot line of the Secret Warriors being a bunch of kids that they weaponized seemed just very odd to me, and it's also seemed odd that they didn't really care to bother to deal with that uh, child, you know, fucking like child soldiers, which is actually a potential real problem in in certain places in the world. Well, it also kind of underscores the fact that Nick Fury is a bastard, and yeah. like Hickman, Hickman wrote him that way, and I, I actually kind of appreciate that portrayal. Because I also feel like Sam Jackson's Nick Fury is just a little too cuddly in the MCU. He's way Uh, too soft. When he dropped, uh, what the fuck's his name, JT Hellfire, I did really appreciate that scene. I just liked it when he's like, "Mm, you did, you, I told you not to do that. Go fuck yourself. 
Well, yeah. he comes from a long line of shitty people, Slade does. Yeah. Clark? Um, one thing I'm happy about that didn't happen here, but I'm glad that they have retconned, since retconned the, um, let's see, what's his name? Jerry Sledge. The abuse that his father, oh God, why did I just lose his name? Like Tatiana and uh, the absorbing uh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, re they removed all the fact that his absorbing man was like abusing his wife and maybe raping her and all this kind of stuff. So that never happened. All the stuff that happened with that character in here didn't happen anymore. Uh, oh, that because that, that pissed me off so hard. <laughs> it's just like, hey, let's ruin a character that's not even in the comic. I agree. Um, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah. I'll say. I'll say this about um, Leviathan. Uh, well, the execution fell flat for me, but conceptually, I like the idea that if the Axis powers had Hydra as their next evolution after World War II, then the Soviet bloc would have their own in the same way that the Allies had theirs as well. Yep. Like, I think it's a really neat idea that just never really came together because there weren't, the designs were really bizarre. They were one, like bug people. They were like bug people. <laughs> yeah, like stupid. alien, they were, they were alien bug people and like none of the actual characters stood out. Unlike like the Hydra High Council, which they were all a bunch of fucking characters in the best yep. way possible, uh, Leviathan didn't have that for me. Brent, there was an element to them that you know felt a lot like Hellboy, which I kind of liked. You know, I I would have, I thought you know they kind of have this demonic, you know, uh, science experiment gone wrong feel to them, but that never. You're right; it never really paid off in a way that was kind of deeply satisfying it didn't have like a mystical element it was the, again part of the stupid zodiac wheels within wheels thing yeah well yeah. And i actually thought magadan however you pronounce that i thought he was and orion was just boring as shit like i was expecting like it was a cool revival and i was like oh this shit's neat and they gave him no character no real voice besides i'm basically russian superman like That's i exactly I, yeah well, I know, but I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, if you're going to, like, I think it was one of those things like he ran out of energy. You have so many great villains on the Hydra side that it was sort of just like, ah, oh, yeah, they're they're bad guys. Because um, I feel like even um, Madame Hydra or Valentina, she was she was super cool up and like when she switched sides, I feel like they kind of just like pushed her off the chessboard a little bit. I did really love her and Nick Fury's back and forth, not having mm -hmm. seen her as a character in comics and only having seen um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus portray her in the MCU. This has made me really like the character, like to see what they might do with her in the MCU. But in general for the, what worked in the these this big kind of mega story for me was definitely their ongoing sort of tete-a-tete. I thought it was actually uh, pretty neat. And she was a, she was cool, coolly written. I liked her a lot. So we've answered the first question, so let's move on. Um, uh, like any writer, uh, Hickman has his tics and certain patterns he falls back on. Um, we've been reading his X-Men uh, for the last two years, give or take. Which of those have you, which of his tics or patterns have you, did you notice in Secret Warriors? Brent? This bitch loves a map, loves yeah. an infographic, loves some... Uh, mid-page exposition dump, <laughs> just like, hey, here's the stuff you need to know about. The it's like he had he done all this character work and all this research that someone has to read. 
someone <laughs> needs to know about how he mapped out the location, all the best locations to have secret hydra spots. Um, which I, I don't I don't mind. Uh, I think it's done better, you know, in his in the Krakoa uh, phase. But um, it is funny to see. Oh, these are the exact same maps, the exact same <laughs> style and font. Yeah. Yeah. No, no change. Okay. <laughs> I don't care about the map as much much as the next page that will then put question marks over every single thing. You know, be like, this is in what location? It's by whom? Blah blah blah. Like a whole page wasting stuff based on what we just saw. Oh yeah. Well, don't forget about everything that's always redacted. Everything's got to be yeah. redacted. Yeah. On this every... one. This yeah. one is just question marks <laughs> instead of redacted, though. Watch out for redacted. <laughs> it's so cute. Done. It's like it's fun the first time. You're like, oh, that's really like a classified document, and they're like, oh no, you're just not thinking about what it's going to be and letting someone fill that in later. <laughs> um. That. Mm. I mean, that was definitely the major standout. I was trying to think. I feel like in general, his writing. And this is true of even like X-Men today. Obviously, this is a very militaristic storyline. I do feel like it, um, he tends to be very mission oriented, it seems like. Uh, and in general, there, it's weirdly, I think he like does best when it's not like funny. It is fun and interesting and engaging, but he definitely does best when he's not writing like punchlines and like, you know, quick turnovers or like, I bet you didn't see that. Like, I appreciate that it even with this these kind of issues, which were all relatively fast, not super wordy, I think still had generally good conversation in them. Uh, the dialogue was was relatively on point for me, not nearly as capable as it is now, but but certainly still like I saw the threads of where he would go in at least what we're reading in Krakoa. Okay, Len. Brent. Oh, go ahead, Brent. Uh, you go first. Yeah, I, I think that one thing that comes through even early on is even if you don't like, you know, Kraken, if you don't like the revamped Madame Hydra or, or Madame Hydra, the original, whatever, or a Contessa, that their interactions are very interesting. And mm -hmm. even as a, even if they're kind of shitty on their own, that there is something that's interesting about them. I think he, he nails villains voices well, because mm -hmm. he realizes that having a great villain isn't just about humanizing their motivations. It's about like showing that they're flawed, showing that they would interact with other villains and have some inner politics with among themselves. Yep. Um, and that like, that the way you ground a subject is by showing what it is relational to other, other subjects. So like when Baron Strucker is talking to Norman Osborn, it is like they are, they've got this, uh, history together and that they've got some transactional nature that they need to work through. And I think it makes it a lot more fun and engaging. Uh, I was going to say, it's definitely like the real housewives of Hydra. Cause I feel like they were always like bitching it up in that circular room of like, what are you doing, bitch? Nothing, bitch. Taking this ship. Gotta go. And they're like, where'd that bitch go? Like, they're always just constantly <laughs> unaware of what the other person's doing. It was very funny. I should really. have never trusted her to go in that ship on her own. <laughs> right. Um, it's very much like the quiet council of Hydra. Um, one of the things that I picked up on, well, one, like it's clear, like Hickman wears some of his influences on his sleeves. Like he's a huge fan of Grant Morrison. Um, but I think he's a, he doesn't talk about it much, but I think he's a huge fan of Alan Moore as well. And a writer of a certain age would be. And I go back to Watchmen when Ozymandias said, I did it 35 minutes ago. 
you know, where like he subverts the whole, you know, old school villain explaining their plans only for the hero to come in and, and, you know, circumvent them at the last minute, you know, and Osmandius said, well, you know, why would I even do that? Like I've seen every movie you've seen too. So much so that um, like from Nick Fury in Secret Warriors, and we'll get it into more when we do more Wikipedia, but Reed Richards in Fantastic Four, and then the uh, Illuminati in New Avengers, and then Charles Xavier, Magneto, and Moira, uh, you have these like sort of bigger than life, mostly men, Moira being, an, uh, being the notable uh, exception here, um, putting plans in motion, keeping uh, key folks in the dark because they're worried that like, if, if they're completely transparent, the, the plans will, will, will fall apart. Uh, but ultimately it's hubris that leads uh, those plans to sort of fall apart. And then they have to deal with the aftermath. And so I think that's like one of the major themes that I just sort of see through all of his work, even when you get beyond some of his Marvel work as well. I agree. Yep. No, uh, <laughs> true. Standing ovation. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, why do you want me to? You're the moderator. You're the moderator. Move on to the next question. <laughs> All right. Um, so, could this story um, be told today, or did it have to be set during Marvel's Dark Reign? Yes. <laughs> I, um, I, mean, I, 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 yeah, sorry, go ahead, Brent. I was going to say culturally, I think it has to have been told. It has to be told before because we're already at a phase where like, you know, post something like Casino Royale, like we are not a Cold War mm-hmm. type consuming audience anymore. And I don't think, I think you might be able to tell the story if it was like, if you intentionally said it in the past, but it, there's no way you could make it feel modern and right in the same way that I think that. Uh, it might have felt still kind of hanging on to some of the threads from like the nineties. Kaylin, you mean in the comic? In the comic? Yeah, I mean in the comic. Okay, yes, in that's the comics. What I was confused. Well, you both I, take I that perspective, that... but I'm going to take Brent's perspective and talk about the specific timing. So 2021's <laughs> coming back, but Clark, go ahead. I don't think I could in the comics right now, just because how important Krakoa is. Obviously, even though Hickman isn't in it, but Hickman's writing that. Just, I mean, it's gone from you know, it's like a universe superpower now in a way how i don't know how shield would be connecting with that as much and Mm -hmm. also we don't have shield is even less in existence than it was then well and i thought it worked out well that they had hide they had hammer to play against hydra to play on all honesty i wish they'd never even introduced leviathan and they just yeah exactly much better because hammer was super interesting at the beginning and then and like the aries phobos stuff like those issues were some of the best i think of the run because it was like exciting and it was really interesting to see what would happen um but yeah so it did it felt like there were a lot of things that were taking place in the marvel universe at the time that allowed for this kind of like wacky like super secret spy wars thing and i i don't think it would definitely wouldn't work today i feel like the world has seemingly grown up at least from all the x comics we're reading i don't know so much about avengers it sounds like a little bit less um but i would also agree with brent that we are very far away and i i actually read this and i when leviathan turned out to just be russia i was like wait what like i was like wait it's not like some like when they were looking like uh bug people 
I thought they were aliens or something. I was so confused. And then I was like, oh, this this is just Cold War extension stuff, which I'm like, is fine. But it was just really funny to me. I was like, oh, this seem, this does seem really, really like time dated, I should say, uh, rather than timely um, with the, the overall plot. All right. So uh, we talked about this already a little bit, but uh, elements from the Secret Warriors were adapted in uh, The Winter Soldier, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Is there any other way that you would adapt this series if you could? I would have loved to see an adaptation where the people from Hydra got as much energy time because like agents of shield did like the hive they did a bunch of those people but it wasn't super interconnected winter soldier obviously did the entire hydra shield like turn and i'm not as much familiar with agent carter but like i would have loved again i'd love to see the the real housewives of hydra and just them bitching it up in a circle and i think there would be so many good like actors and actresses that could like play these characters and we're always talking about how the mcu needs like better villains <laughs> Now that they're bringing Hydra back anytime soon, I'm sure that but that that ship has certainly sailed. But I'm just like, ah, oh, we're just missing such a good opportunity for these like this weird team of villains, like all just being catty to each other. Adam, who would you cast as Hive? Uh, Channing Tatum. <laughs> Tatum <was> just <laughs> big. And he Fuck just goes, Hive. <laughs> <laughs> That's his catty stuff. You could get, uh, uh, you could get. Uh, uh, what's his name? Nguyen. Uh, no, I can't remember his name. The actor who played uh, Davy Jones. Uh, oh, oh. Nye, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Nagy. Yeah. Bill, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He looks uh, perfect. He likes he's gonna. <laughs> he'll play Viper. <laughs> so uh, something I would I think would be an element that I wish was a greater part of say the MCU would be there are points in this which kind of touch on like body horror. And the way that science experiments can go wrong in a physical way rather than, you know, something technological like Ultron. So if there's more like inclusion of, you know, creating, you know, the, the tentacle creature or whatever mm -hmm. uh, hive that mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or maybe the transformation process that the Leviathan agents, you know, go through. If we can get more stuff like that, even if you don't get too visually graphic your brain can fill in the spots and make it feel like a more horrifying story, uh, which would add some richness to some of the movies. Clark? I hope that we're somehow going to be maybe dragging Zeus into the Thor-ness of uh, the next mm. Thor, that maybe we can get some Phobos and, and, and Ares and stuff like that in some point in time. Uh, like, that'd a be cool. like a multiple pantheon of gods kind of Thing. I don't know if that would like go up against Eternals as some sort of plot point, but you know that kind of stuff be interesting. The only, the only thing that makes me a little worried, and I say this as much as I love Taika Waititi, he plays it up for laughs too much. And like, like when I want the Greek gods to come in, of course Hercules is very jovial. Zeus can be played as sort of a buffoon, but Ares is like a stone cold, oh, yeah. badass. And that's the way that I want to see him in the MCU. Yep. Adam? Yeah. I was, I was going to make a joke that I wanted Dum Dum Dugan's hot mustache in the MCU, but I forgot he was already in it and wasn't nearly as attractive. You could, as you, could get, you could get John Garrett's hot mustache, though. 
robot yeah. arm mustache. Oh yeah, what a what a fucking seventies throwback. I love that dude. Um, <laughs> who would you cast uh, John Garrett as, Clark? I cast him as my roommate. What do you mean? Oh wait, the opposite. Who, who would I cast? <laughs> Well, yeah, like, what do you want John Garrett to be in your life, Clark? I just want him to be, like, my next-door neighbor or something. <laughs> he, like, walks in, calls me fat all the time. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. <laughs> I mean, I would do Oscar Isaac as John Garrett, even though he's going to be Moon Knight. Uh, like, he can grow a good stash and look kind of, like, kind of hot in a older daddy sort of way. Yeah, he's definitely growing up fast in like a good way. Yeah. I don't even know how old he is. He like yeah, I was gonna say he's like thirty five or something. Yeah, well, no, he, he's he's early forties. Oh, that's good. Good on him then. Yeah. Is he gonna grow right. hair? That's the tough part. There you go. Uh, so we talked a lot about uh, the characters, but you know, um, were there any other characters that stood out to you, either for good or for ill, that we haven't really talked about? So with Kraken, so the original wheel was both the father of Nick and Jake. Is that right? Like, oh, there were three Furies on the original wheel, or was that, did I make that up? No. It was always just the two brothers? Yeah, Mick, like, my, my, Mickle, Michael, Fury, it was too young for that no, well no no, no i know that's the, i know that's the son i'm saying the father of jake, uh, jake and, and nick because i, I remember that's what I, got me so fucking confused at the end when they revealed who kraken was i was like wait is that nick's father and then like his brother and i was like oh what <laughs> and they all look generically the same it was very hard to track for someone who would only know a nick fury i don't know because i was just like oh also he has this guy Mikael. oh he's the second kraken Killed the other one. Yeah, that first Kraken seemed really stupid. Just sort of ch- what does the mat like? Does the helmet just transform you? What was the? Yeah, this is the. It makes you not know what someone's bottom of their head looks like. <laughs> oh, your chin has changed. Must be the same person. I, w- I was like, yeah, I've used grinder enough to know what people look like from the mouth down. The fact that nobody could put together that it wasn't the same guy is a bit insane. <laughs> um, I did like you know. With a character like Ares, in so many different stories, you can have someone who's like, yeah, he's a god of war, constantly fighting, constantly angry, constantly tough. I think it was very smart to play him up as like, yes, he's a bruiser, but there is still some mental machinations that he is willing to negotiate to get what he wants. Uh, he could rip your head off, but he he recognized that there can be a longer game because it really builds up some of the you know, the, the meaning behind his, you know, the importance he places on being like a father figure and helping raise a, you know, good son, even if it, even if his vision for what a good son is, is maybe a little bit warped. So I really like that characterization. Yeah. Their relationship was great. Yeah, for sure. I I quite liked that low rent, um, Thunderbolt team that we had to deal with. I was reading that one as well at the same time. And they were just so random, also ranny, but it, well, I'm just going to be, I like that series unrelated to this at all. <laughs> yeah, that's because it was the, the Norman Osborn's Thunderbolts were, they graduated to being his Avengers uh-huh. and then they had to bring in the JV team. Yeah. And they were, they it were was a, a fucking it, mess. It was very messy and I loved it. 
Oh yeah, yeah, we should confirm. We'll put our entire reading order in because obviously it's the twenty-eight issues of named Secret Warriors. But then I think it was also two additional issues, right? Uh, one of Thunderbolts yeah. and then one of the List, which was a one-shot. So, so one it thing was I was shot. wondering: Did I just not read it? There was one. There was a one-shot where Nick Fury tries to um, get Layla Miller on the team. Was that? Did we not read that here? There was. Uh, it that wasn't, wasn't something. It, and she something. basically says, you don't want me. I've got something else going on. That's what Clark tells everybody at the end of his dates. He's just like, didn't you it, Or she yeah. says something like, what? Did, didn't it happen in X-Factor or like a one-shot involving the X-Factor team? Maybe, maybe it was the, remember this was the list? Maybe it was the list yeah. X-Men, Dark X-Men. Maybe. Maybe it was might, But anyway, that's what it happened. It might have been that, yeah. A real. A little uh, bit of continuity. Yeah, I was gonna say a real Wolverine in like X Men First Class was it? Where fucking what's his name was there? It was like, get out of my bar, get a mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. Is what go, I think it was go it was go fuck it was go fuck yourself. Yeah, Brent. Can we talk for a real quick second about when Phobos is going to be judged by the got the panel and and Ares is like, oh, it's a it's a murderer's row. It's my bitch of a mother, Wet's Caudle. <laughs> And then some other guy, uh, and it's like one panel where Hera's going, "Yo, do you suck?" And he's like, "I certainly don't." And then, and they're like, "You're great. You're a god now. No, no real trial." It was kind of a disappointment because I was hoping for something more, uh, you know, some back and forth there that really showed who the character was. But she seemed totally right fine. To yeah, they were just like, I'm yeah. sort of a woman with power. And they're like, what a fucking bitch. What a bitch. I can't was, believe it. Yeah, no, I thought the same she thing has, too. like three reasonable questions. <laughs> I was definitely expecting there to be a lot more give and take. And Phobos was written really well. And like, was kind of a fun, like really good interactions with his dad. So I was like hoping exactly right. There'd be a little bit more fire in the conversation like we're at we've got one page left oh just raise him up he's fine he's a, he's a god now hip hip hooray <laughs> <laughs> any other characters stood out to y'all no all right uh so any uh final thoughts that y'all would like to share uh it's fun to really see the start of somebody's artistic journey because i do think it's a very there's like i i was like <laughs> I know we're the ones putting it on, but I, you, I think, Kaylin, you might have had the original idea or you and Clark. And I was like, oh, this is actually a really cool way to like go through someone's like growth and development just as like a, an artist. And so I thought it was very nice to see the parallels while also seeing a very upward trajectory for him versus many other people who, you know, we've seen hit big and then slowly decline into obsolescence because the times have changed or their talent has. Um, and they just never bothered to grow. So I just thought it was it was very cool in that perspective. It was Kaylin's idea. Um, <laughs> I was just saying false, that in case Clark. it just goes really Kaylin's wrong false. and only like six people watch it. No, what I want to, um, I'm excited to see is this, how this start blends in with how fucking crazy it's going to get in the next one we deal with. Because mm-hmm. the yeah. shield, it's 13 issues we were talking about, is nuts it is just wild as all hell and very interesting so we'll see where that goes brent yeah and even if imperfect i think it's still it's still a fun read 
Uh, if you don't try and push the logic too hard, it's <laughs> great. Uh, it's got some really good character interactions. The only real, real fault in my mind is um, that there are helicarriers. Fuck helicarriers. <laughs> They're stupid. Jesus Christ. Your helicarrier phobia is not welcome on this podcast, Brent. I'm not afraid of them. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, we fear what we hate or hate what yeah. we fear, whatever. <laughs> you know. That's what, yeah, that's you know what, what Phobos taught I'm us. I'm afraid of helicarrier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ah, a helicarrier! <laughs> <laughs> well, as uh, Clark mentioned, uh, as we continue down Wikipedia, the next uh, one we'll tackle is his shield, which is bonkers. Don't spoil it. Uh, Don't spoil. It's, I'm not going to say anymore, but it's just bonkers. But it took him forever to finish it. Him eight years. His, eight years. Oh wow! For a for basically twelve issues. issues. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Well, the last two issues were six years after the one before. Oh my god! Yeah. So you get to really see that evolution happen within uh... the series. Uh, but um, uh, next week we'll be back with our regular episode. Um, you know. Find us on Twitter. We're at HomosphereX. Uh, we're at Homosphere Podcast on Instagram. Interact with us. Rate and review us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.